You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. Today we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Happy to see you. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how you doing today, sir? I am great. Always a pleasure, fellas. Absolutely. And I'm Rob Lazzi. If you have questions, thoughts, concerns, you want to email them into us, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. We'd be excited to hear from you. I'm putting my list of questions together for our Q&A episode. Maybe later this summer, we'll spit it out there. So, but Pastor Drew, recap, Acts 10, Sunday, barbecue sermon. Barbecue sermon. You know, today is the day we're recording this is game five of the Nuggets final series. And I'm just thinking Mm. about hopefully as the Nuggets bring in the title, what kind of barbecue am I going to be eating? Am I going to be having (laughs) some pulled pork nachos? Am I going to be having some baby back ribs? You know, as the Joker hits the final shot to win the title, but you know what our difference in theology next time, Drew, you're like, you're like the barbecue theology. I'm the Tums theology. Oh, like, ooh, that like burns. It. That burns. Ooh. I need something to cool that down. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of 2% milk. Yeah. So on uh, Sunday, we talked about Acts chapter 10, and that's the really interesting story where Peter is up on the rooftop in the heat of the day, hanging out on a patio, and he has he falls into a trance. He's hungry, and God gives him this vision of this giant sheet coming down in front of him and on all the corners of the sheet are different animals and and uh, God says you know rise kill and eat and Peter says well God I've, I've never eaten anything common or unclean and he's referring to you know the Jewish dietary laws you know it was it was you know against their rules for him to eat pork shellfish a lot of different things and in this vision, Peter sees God's telling him to eat all these things. And he's like, no, God, I've never eaten these things. And that happens three times, and Peter's perplexed. And then three men come knock on his door, inviting him up to meet with a Gentile named Cornelius. And what we see as we explore this is that God was showing to Peter that we as people tend to look at other people who aren't like us as unworthy and unlovable and and not deserving of the gospel. But Peter was learning, God was showing Peter that no, the gospel is for all mankind. And so Peter is then motivated to go take the gospel to the Gentiles, to Cornelius, who was a Roman, uh, basically a Roman, a Roman soldier who was in command and his whole household gets saved and the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. And so what we see is this mark. Now the, the early church sees that, that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, which Jesus said multiple times, they just didn't get it yet, but Jesus came for all of mankind and it triggers the start of church planting and missions and the gospel going out into all of the world. So it's really a significant hinge point in the greater story. Yeah. One of the main thesis uh, statements for Acts would be in Acts 1.8. Um, you will take my, my message to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
Um, and, and we see, we've seen it go to Judea, which is essentially like Jerusalem, uh, and, and the local area. And then Samaria is, is what we see it starting to go to once, um, Stephen gets stoned and he, th- that causes people to flee Jerusalem. And it goes now to the region of Samaria. And now we start to see it going to the ends of the earth as these Gentiles are getting the Holy Spirit poured out on them. Uh, did we talk about Philip and the eunuch? No, we didn't. But that just, I was just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. In Acts chapter 8, we get the story where Philip, uh, he he comes across, the, like the Holy Spirit speaks to him, tells him to get up and go. And he comes across a, 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 a an Ethiopian who's, who's from Africa um, in a chariot. And he's reading from Isaiah. And Philip's like, oh, cool, you're reading my, 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 my Bible, my scripture. And, and he asks him in ver, verse eight, uh, 30 of chapter 8, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And, he, and the Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip up to sit with them, and they explain it. And um, later on, uh, we see that uh, this Ethiopian is baptized, and they stop the chariot, and then... Um, yeah, then, then Philip mysteriously gets, like, taken away once he baptizes this Ethiopian. Um, it's kind of like a, what's the guy in the Old Testament? Starts with an E. Enoch. Enoch. Yeah, it's kind of like an Enoch moment where he Philip just gets whisked away by oh. the Spirit and, and relocated. Uh, really an interesting kind of thing. But, yeah, this Ethiopian's ears were itching. Like, the Holy Spirit was definitely with him, and he, he began to receive uh, what the Scriptures said about Jesus. Yeah, and right before that, you have, you know, Simon the Magician mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 8, where Philip, you know, there's this magician who's trying to call on the name of Jesus to get people, um, you know, to, to follow him and, and all of these things. And, and Philip preaches the good news to him as well. What was interesting is these two accounts, you do have a tie-in with kind of the Jewish scriptures and, you know, that guy was in Samaria and in Acts 10 now you see it's going to, it brings the Gentiles in, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you have the eunuch going back to Ethiopia. Now you have Peter talking to Romans And by the, the way, gospel. the Ethiopian church is potentially the uh, longest, like, or the oldest Christian um established right. place still yeah. in the world. Like hmm. Palestine Christianity kind of took a break yep. uh, that they got pushed out. But Ethiopian Christians have been there since this time. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. yeah. Since Acts 8. Yeah. Nubian, is that, that's a, another yeah. word for that area? I believe so. Yeah. 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 It's super cool. So Rob, yeah, you see this, um, this launching now of the global mission that in Acts 11 and onward, you're going to see Paul head head out on these missionary journeys to places like Galatia and Philippi and even Greece. No, that's, it's interesting to think about, especially with like what you're saying with the Ethiopian church being, you know, the oldest or, you know, more original, I guess. I don't know what would be the, like you're saying, longer lasting, but they're, they're still there. The longest lasting. Yeah. yeah. Longest yeah. lasting established church. Yeah. No, interesting thing about it. And then like moving on, then Peter and Paul like had an interaction with the Gentiles and the Jews about like, do you, is it the big idea is like, does a Gentile have to become a Jew to be a Christian? Is there a step in there? And, and it, to me, it looks like the first form of, and you know, of legalism where it's like, hey, here's the next step of to be able to claim Christ. Mm-hmm. So is that is that yeah. fair to say, or am I off base there? 
Yeah, there's a, if we can get into it, there's a, de- there's a debate about whether or not the Jews were legalistic in their basic thinking, mm-hmm. and, and we, can, we can debate this. Um, and I was turned on to this it's slightly nuanced interpretation of the phrase works of the law. Um, before we get there, though, l- let's talk about Galatians, I think, um, okay. because Galatians is like we're going to get to it, of course. But Galatians is one of my favorite letters because Paul is really, really, really mad at them. Um, so Paul goes to Galatia in uh, when, when does he go there? I think does it's like what? Acts 11. Yeah. Maybe? yeah Acts 15, 16. I think it's Acts 16. Maybe it's. Yeah, I'll look it up. I think. I just had it. Yeah, there, there's some debate about when Galatians was written. Was it written before Acts 15 or after Acts 15? And Acts 15 is kind of the watershed moment, which we're going to get to. It's Acts 16 when, when Paul and Silas go to uh, Persia, Persia and Galatia. Okay. Yeah, so like Paul, Paul's first missionary journey happened before Acts 15, but yep. then he, he, goes, he goes around again. But um, Galatians as a letter is a, a letter that's unique in... Um, his, his corpus of work. Uh, so Galatians starts out, or most letters for Paul start out with like, hey, this is me. I'm writing it to you. Um, there's like, a, there's a, a welcome and a greeting and a blessing and like a short theological statement about blessings be upon you. Um, just like in, in, I don't know if we write letters anymore, but we used to to write like, hey, this is to this person, from this person, all that kind of stuff. There's a formula for ancient letters as well that not just Paul does, but all people who wrote letters in the ancient world. I text Drew that way during Nuggets games. Yeah, usually. <laughs> this is Rob in my living room watching the game. May the Nuggets I rob. bless your evening. This is, you know. I rob emotional servant of the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, right? for example, so Corinthians starts out, Paul, called to be an apostle. This is who I am. To the church of God in Corinth. Those of you, blah de blah Lord Jesus is awesome. Uh, grace and peace to you. That's a key greeting. Grace and peace. Um, that involves the Hebrew word of shalom um, and the Greek word of, of charis, grace. That is in almost all of the letters, except Galatians. Paul says... Um, oh no, sorry. It, it is in there, but then there, there's a Thanksgiving. Is that the key one, mm-hmm. Drew? Yeah, there's right. a Thanksgiving that's not in. He's not thankful for the Galatians. Right. He's not thankful for the Galatians. <laughs> he's he's salty for... at the Galatians. <laughs> he's very yeah. He so he says in, in verse uh, Galatians one three, grace and peace to you from our Lord and Father Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins according to the will of God, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished <laughs> that you are so quickly deserting the gospel. He, he just jumps right in. He's so wow. mad at them because th- there's this group of people that, that we, we call the Judaizers who have come in after Paul was there and told them, okay, Paul only gave you half of it. You actually need to be, you, you need to do, you need to be Jewish. You need to be circumcised. You need to eat right. Uh, and you need to observe the Sabbath. And then you can be part of God's people. And Paul says, how dare you? Is that really what I said? No. And, and he, he, oh man, he's so ticked out. He's so mad. I feel yeah, like Drew, he, I can see Drew doing this on a Sunday morning. How <laughs> dare you use vinegar based barbecue? Oh, yes. Yeah. It, clearly. Haven't I taught you better? Clearly, I've taught you it's dry rub and brown sugar and tomato based <laughs> sauce. Yeah. It, you know, one of the really interesting things is what you see in Acts 10, where you have God saying, hey, 
the message can go to the Gentiles. The Jews had a really hard time mm-hmm. of, of just allowing this to happen, right? Because the, the Jewish mindset was you have to be Jewish. We're the chosen people. This is how you pre- are holy before God and circumcision and the dietary laws and all the rituals and all these things were so ingrained in their mind that as the, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, you, you see the church astonished, it says in Acts 10, that they're like, oh my gosh, they're amazed that that God's actually allowing the Gentiles to get saved without becoming Jewish. Yet, they still struggle with this. And so in Galatians 2, you see this interaction with Paul and with Peter, right? And so Peter is humming it up, chumming it up, having a good time with the Gentiles until the Jews show up. And then Paul calls him out in Galatians 2 for for basically not hanging out with the Gentiles when the Jews are around. And so there is still this arrogance that exists like, Mm -hmm. Oh, the Jews are better. The Jews are doing it the right way. Paul's, you know, Peter's almost ashamed of the Gentiles, even though Peter just saw the Gentiles get saved. Yeah. And that, that's the weird thing. Like why is the Holy spirit being poured out on the Gentiles and they're not, they're not Jewish. And, And that's a huge conflict. And we talked about this last week. I think we even read some from Galatians 2 about how it, it took Paul potentially 17 years to start his um, to start his, his ministry. Um, and and then they, they have this meeting uh, about, wait, do, do we have to be circumcised? And that's what we read in Acts 15, which we're not going to talk about in full because we're going to get there soon. Um, but, but Paul here in, in Galatians 2 really hones in and, and drills down on the fact that God, like for example, in in two six, God does not show favoritism. Like God does not require things for for you to be saved. He uses Abraham as an example. Like, look, Abraham was circumcised after he was brought into God's holy people, and 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 it was part of his um, part of his his next act that he was circumcised. But but it was faith, and this is what we read in Romans two. It was faith that saved Abraham not circumcision. And so we have to make sure that that faith is first and then whatever else is is next. And and one of the funny things that Paul says, I and I don't have the verse in here, but somewhere in Galatians, he says, I wish that they would just emasculate themselves uh, as they're doing circumcision. I wish their hand would slip and it would just cut it off. Yeah, yes. so just think about that for a <laughs> or second. Or don't think about that or for a second. But we'll you just can, move on. You might get what Paul is saying here. <laughs> wow. But deep you know breath, what? what <laughs> here's what's crazy to me is that, and, and, and I think this really shows us how easy it is for us to miss what God does and why we have to continually to see it over and over again. You know, it says you have to see something or hear something seven times before you understand it, before it, you know, really stands out to you. Well, you see over and over throughout the New Testament that this group called the Judaizers, who were Jews, who got saved, who thought they were Christians, right? They, they believed in, they, they saw Jesus as the son of God, but yet they still thought you need to keep all these Jewish rules. They continually would follow Paul to these churches he planted and say, as Darren mentioned earlier, no, it's not just this grace. You also have to be a Jew. You have to get circumcised. You have to follow the dietary laws, all these things. And you see Paul over and over again, right here in Galatians in second Corinthians, you, Paul talks about it in first Timothy. He's writing and saying, look guys, we got to quit 
falling back in the trap of thinking that we have to follow all of these Jewish laws to be a Christian or to follow Jesus. It truly is about grace. And Paul hammers this home in Ephesians 2 over and over again. And I think this is a really important thing to realize that we so often fall back into this idea of we have to do something other than just believe. Mm -hmm. So, so here's the debate that we were talking about earlier uh, over the phrase works of the law. So uh, I'm going to see if I can explain this right. It's like, where is the cart and where's the horse? Is the cart before the horse? Is the cart after the horse? Chicken or um, the egg? N- maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cart and horse is easier uh, for me in my brain. But so when we talk about this whole thing of, of legalism, um, there, there's, there's a camp that believes the Jews were legalistic, that you had to do things in order to be saved. And when we read the phrase works of the law, for example, in Galatians, when we read that phrase, um, we think that that means putting the cart before the horse, that you have to do things and you have to earn your salvation. And and that's that's kind of been the perv- the pervasive interpretation. Um, in 1972, there was a scholar by the name of E.P. Sanders who put out a publication called um, Judaism. Oh man, I can't remember what it is. I have it on my shelf at home. It's not right here. Uh, it's it, it's something about Judaism and and works of the law and about that phrase. And he he contended and he went through a whole lot of scriptures, a whole lot of ex- external sources as well. And he said that no, the Jews actually understood that they were saved by grace through faith. That was always their foundational principle. They knew this. The conflict that we get into is how do you respond? What is your response to become a God? fearing Jew or a, a God-believing person. And they believed that you had to get circumcised. It was your response to being saved by grace through faith, not the thing you did to earn grace through your faith. So they had the cart and the horse in the right order. That's what E.P. Sanders was saying. And so what other scholars have done is come to the New Testament and say, whenever we read the phrase works of the law, that means essentially you don't have to do the Jewish things in order to be a part of the Christian community. We actually need, need to figure out how are we going to be a Christian in our current context. So if you're a Gentile and you're not going to be circumcised, you don't need to observe the Sabbath, how are you going to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus? Well, you're going to worship Jesus on Sunday, because that's resurrection day. You're going to stop worshiping and sacrificing food to idols at your temple. You don't have to go to synagogue, but you do have to stop going to the temple of Apollo or the temple of Aphrodite or whatever. Um, and, and it's figuring out how to, what is your response? That's what this, this publication by E.P. Sanders in 1972 has started a lot of scholars thinking. The Jews had it right. And they still have it right. But the conflict that we see in the New Testament is more of what's our response? Do we need to be Jewish or can we do it another way? And Paul's saying, no, you can do it another way. It's not about your ethnicity of being a Jew to believe in Jesus. You can do it other ways. Yeah, it's, it is interesting, you know, when you see Paul's response to the the Judaizers, right, to, you know, especially in the book of like Second Corinthians and, um, and here in Galatians too, where, you know, Paul 
talks about the fact that, you know, when you, when you've put your faith in Jesus and you've been saved by grace, like, why would you want to go back? Right? Like, you know, it, it, the author of Hebrews talks about this too, like abandoning your faith. So you go and you, you have to become, now you think you have to become a Jew. You have to, you put your faith in Jesus, but now you got to go get circumcised and you got to do these things to become a Jewish person. And so Paul's, you know, in, in a way making it sound, you know, saying to us like, Hey, what you're doing is you're taking away the efficacy of what Jesus did for us. That's a big word. What does it that is mean? a big word. Like the efficiency, <laughs> like what Jesus did. Jesus satisfied sin on the cross and died for us. And now he gives us grace through faith. When all of a sudden we have to go get circumcised now, or we have to go, you know, become a Jew to be a Christian, then it's taking away what Jesus did for the cross and it's adding works. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I, I think what you're saying absolutely makes sense in that idea, Darren. And I think if you're a Gentile and this is the part of the issue you have between, in the book of Romans, right? You have this arrogance between Jews mm-hmm. looking at the Gentiles going, no, you're not doing it right. And you have the Gentiles looking at the Jews going, oh, hey, I don't need to do all these things now. Yeah. And Paul is continually like, hey, look, the works of the law don't do you any good anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you know, the Jewish guys, you don't need to, to do these things. And so I think it's powerful to think about, okay, in our own world as now as believers, what has Jesus called us to do? And I'm, I'm thinking about Matthew 28 thinking about the great commission, right? What does Jesus say? He says, after he says, you know, go and make disciples. And then what, what do you do after people get saved? They get baptized Mm -hmm. and then you teach them everything I've commanded you. Right. And so there's this picture that now, after we put our faith in Jesus, we're saved by grace. Now we get baptized, which in the, in the old covenant, you got circumcised, right. Mm -hmm. To show Mm -hmm. the inward change. Now we get baptized. You know, it's, it's not salvific. Another big word, but it is a way that we demonstrate our faith. And then we, we're, we get taught, right? And so there's a discipleship element there too, which happens at church and in small groups and in, in ministry life. So okay, many things I, got, I want to talk about, but also, uh, do you have a question, Rob? I, 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 got, I got two questions really. Just you got two. I've of, got five. Okay. <laughs> just so, kidding. <laughs> Go, Rob. That's it. Two and a half times more. I get it. You're not just a one upper. You're just two and a half times your upper. Um, two and a half upper. Uh, so... The big question I have on that is then how do we then relate to the Old Testament and the law when people go, we don't have to follow the law anymore, but we still reference the law when we talked about living as Christ and how we should live and how it's still it's all about Jesus in the Old Testament. So obviously there's a ceremonial law, but when you mention like the Sabbath and which days the Sabbath, like how do we embrace the the law of the Old Testament and what laws did Jesus then nullify if you want to call it for better or mm-hmm. worse terms. So how do we have that discernment to know which ones? Yeah, so there's a couple there's many things I could say. Let's see if I can summarize them all. One, Jesus himself entered into a debate that the Pharisees had during that day was how many principles can we find in the Old Testament law? Some people had 11, some people had seven, some people had one, Jesus had two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two overarching principles behind the Old Testament law. So when we go and read the Old Testament law, we should have that framework of how Jesus looked at it and find how, does, how did this law help them then love God and love neighbor? How did that actually help them do that? Sometimes it's tough to find that because we don't know their context. But ultimately, behind all the laws that we read, it's in that. Um, And then here's another one. Jesus fulfilled some things in the Old Testament that we 
we don't really have to do anymore. And I just preached this yesterday. I was at, at a different church. I, I gave a message and, and I talked about how we are saints, how those of us who are saved by grace through faith are saints and not sinners anymore. Yeah, we might still sin, but it's not our, our basic mode of operation. And, and I gave the example of how in the Old Testament, God and a human couldn't occupy the same space unless the, that person was made holy. So like when we go into the, the temple and the tabernacle, only the high priest, once he goes through all these rituals, could be in the temple, in the presence of God, doing the things, making the sacrifice, spreading, spreading the blood on the altar, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that was dangerous because God's presence is so holy, so good, so intense, and a human is so not holy, so not, he's so not good that, that they can't occupy that same space. But God made a way through the Levitical priesthood and the Levitical law for a human and a, 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 and God to occupy the same space once again incredible act of love and grace that we read in Numbers 1.1. Moses was in the tabernacle face to face with God, talking with him. It's great. But now in uh, Ephesians 2 verse 22, Paul says, uh, you dear church, you dear Jesus follower are now being built as a new temple for God by the Holy Spirit. And so now God is dwelling with humans because they have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, whereas there were these things that, that God had people do in order to make them holy, now God himself made the people holy through the blood of his own son. And, and that is how we now, as a church of Christ and a body of believers, are now the dwelling place where God is. It's no longer in one spot. Now it is wherever anyone believes in him. And so it's an Old Testament idea of, of a human having to be made holy. Jesus changes things so that now a person is holy. Does that make sense, Rob? Those are two. Enough. Enough of a, you know, with, w- with what we have in the time constraints, yeah. Because, yeah. like, the question comes <laughs> is, like, when you start looking at, like, specific laws, and you go, like, how do how does this pertain? How do we, like, seeing it through the filter of how Jesus all love God and love your neighbor helps, but some there's just a lot of discerning that goes in there and go, whose For opinion sure. is right in the discernment? Well, and you, uh, if you look at all the Old Testament laws and commandments that God gave, he, he gave this, uh, he, he painted the picture of what it looked like for the Jews to be able to, to be a light to the nations around them, to be different, to show that God, that the God of the Bible, that Yahweh truly is the one to follow and to put on all these dietary laws and all these cleanliness laws and all these things were really to help them learn how to live as a culture and a society. And so when Jesus came, he, he lived the perfect life and he fulfilled all of the requirements that we see that Darren mentioned, you know, we see in the old Testament. So Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. And so now in the new covenant, it's a covenant of grace. You know, what Jesus tells us to do is love God and love our neighbor. Which I, I would say the Old Covenant is also a law of grace. It is. It, it is. It, it's just hard for us to see that right. sometimes. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, definitely there is a, a cultural difference, you know, mm-hmm. w- within the church now, saying because, uh, as you mentioned, we are now the church. You know, we are now the temple. The church is the temple of God. And so now you have, you know, Jesus fulfilling these commandments. And so we no longer have to observe Sabbath on Saturdays, right? You no longer have to not eat pork. You, and, you like, know, did we ever... Right, and that you know, it's, exactly. Or is more is like, this how that this how God's people in the Old Testament interpreted it, or or like I th- I still think God gave them those commands, right? And yet I still think a person was saved by grace through faith, 
because there are plenty of people we read uh, in in the New Testament. There are people called God fears. They were really attracted to this mm-hmm. Jewish idea of monotheism. Well, yeah, God uh, yeah, these yeah. people who we start to get saved, and like there, it was the most ripe mission field ever. Oh yeah, because there are so many people who were not Jewish, but they were told by Jews like, no, you have to do these things. But they weren't like they were intrigued by the whole monotheistic idea. And they, they thought like, yeah, I think this is the real God. I think this is the one that, that's actually true. But they were never circumcised. And so the Jews were like, no, nah, you can't be in here. Well, and I think the problem was interpretation, right? So the Jewish leaders began to heap all of these extra things mm-hmm. and say, hey, you have to do this. No, you have to do this. Yeah, and this is how we love God yeah. in response to what he's done for it us. It took it so much further than than the, the grace and um, the community that mm-hmm. God designed it to be because humankind interpreted it. We still see that in our time today. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you know, back to this idea with Paul, right? Paul is going out, he's planting churches in, in Gentile areas. He's in, he's in Athens, right? He's in yeah. Corinth. And then you got Jews coming behind Paul going, Hey, you know, it, yeah, it's grace, but you also need to do these things. And mm-hmm. so Paul's saying, no guys, don't get, you know, you, you gotta stop putting all of these things in place. Now we can call those rules or we can call that becoming a Jewish person, right? Whatever it is, works of the flesh as Paul calls it. But ultimately he's saying we need to realize that we're saved by grace through faith and makes us a new creation. And then we live differently. And I have a modern example for us to think about and like uh, as how to, how this works out in our world. Um, and, and a lot of us, like I myself, I wouldn't necessarily call it a fight, but it was still kind of a struggle about like the, the worship wars, if that's a term you know sure. about, like, so in oh, the nineties yeah. or like the aughts, um, th- there was a big, at least in the middle of Kansas, it takes a while for these things to filter through <laughs> the outside of the country to get to the middle. Um, like it, it's how, how do we sing to God? How do we worship God? Well, hymns are the way it's been done forever, forever and ever. Amen. So you don't, you dare change that aspect of things. So bringing a, a guitar into church, bringing drums into church was, was of the devil, because in the 50s and 60s, a lot of the elder Christians at that point thought rock and roll music was of the devil. So don't you dare bring that into church because it's not from Jesus. And and that those ideas have, have started to shift and change. And it, it was kind of like a, like a war or a fight in the 90s and, and the aughts, which I was kind of involved in. I, I grew up singing mostly hymns in my church, and I started a contemporary uh, worship band in, in the, the church that I grew up in. But... It's all about, okay, how, how are we going to live out our faith? Are we going to sing hymns? Are we going to wear uh, women? Are we going to wear dresses or, or are we going to wear pants? You know, th- those are those were big fights, mm-hmm. uh, which seemingly now to us are silly. And yet at the time, it was huge. And that is exactly what's happening here in the New Testament with, do you, do you have to observe the Sabbath or can you eat pork? I, the the Jews had a difficult time giving that up, just like our churches had difficult times giving up hymns. And I think that is just one of the realities of the heart of mankind mm-hmm. is that we are so quick to put a ladder to climb to God. And you know, if you look at every world religion, what is and it? This is how it is. This is how it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna climb this ladder to God. And instead, that was what so is so radical about the gospel is that Jesus climbed the ladder down to us, mm-hmm. you know. And it's truly faith and trust that changes us, not trying to be good or trying to make sure we wear the right things or eat the right things or, you know, cut the right things. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I'm glad you brought that to like in more like a real world application because that's where I, my ne- my second question was like, do we do this today? 
even in, in the church where it's like, I think we know the right answer where it's grace and by, you know, faith by grace and all that. But then there's also like, well, you should be coming to church on Sundays. Well, you know, do you, should you be raising your hands in worship? Well, should you be going to a Bible study? You know, it's like all these things, like not that those aren't bad things, but do they become should you speak unintentionally in higher and higher in authority than, you know, the grace of God? Yeah. When I think what it comes down to this is this, Rob, is your intentions and your heart behind it. So mm-hmm. should I go to church? Should I be part of a community? Should I read my Bible? Should I pray? The answer to that in the scripture is clearly yes. Mm-hmm. And the reason is why is so you can get to know God. You can grow mm-hmm. in a relationship with God and because it's good for you. And that is one of the ways that you build your relationship with God. But, but what if, if you, you have no church? What if you don't have a scripture in your native language? Right. Yeah. It gets complicated it once all these, like we live in a pretty privileged place where we can freely worship, right. where the Bible's been in English for 500 years. Yep. Yeah. But if you do all these things so that God will accept you or so that you'll feel good or about, you'll feel good, better about your you know sinful choices or, or so that God will love you, then you're doing it for the wrong intention. Because God already loves you and he already shows his favor upon you when you have put your faith in Jesus. So I think, Rob, it does literally come down to why do I do what I do? If I go to church just because I want to feel better about myself or I hope that going to church will make God happy with me, then I'm missing the mark. But if I go to church because it's what's best for me and it's going to help me grow my faith, well, then I think I'm, I'm, I'm approaching it the right way. Mm-hmm. And if you show up with expectations on what worship should be, then you'll have a tough time worshiping because there's not one way to praise God. There's not one way to to be a Christian outside of you know grace by by faith mm-hmm. um, and and doing that. But how that plays itself out in our culture is very very different. Yeah, I know we're running out of time here. I just sort of think of all the people that have been like say church hurt, where they they mm-hmm. their expectation and the church expectation were different, even though it was just all you know the big idea is grace by faith. So it's yeah. one of those and where... and also legitimate like sins are committed against people in church. Mm-hmm. There, uh, the, when we talk about church hurt, that's a lot of it too. Like humans are, uh, humans really have bad tendencies, and some humans aren't really close to Jesus. And and when abuse happens, whether it's verbal, sexual, whatever, like that does happen. There are stories, and it breaks my heart, and it makes me really angry. It makes me as angry as Paul was at the Galatians, or even more. For, because that's not what that's not what being Jesus like looks like, mm-hmm. not at all. And so yeah, so that's just, that was just sort of my next big idea. I know we're wrapping up on t- time here, but just sort of like, where do we do this in today's culture, even unintentionally? Because I think part of it too is even in churches, like as much as you want, you want people to listen to the podcast, so you encourage people. You should be listening to the podcast because this, this, and this is like really we just want to see people listen to it and be worth the effort we're putting into it. But then someone also then like like their perspective maybe like oh I'm supposed to listen to this because yeah. you know you know, like you said, it, said so yeah right. my past so it's just that <laughs> it could, is it are you trying to make it legalistic no but you're also trying to make something you know successful or worth your time doing as well mm. and it's that fine tension there is a probably you guys deal with it more as pastors and I see it because I work in sales so it's like there's that sales approach to stuff to get people to you know make a decision where. Right. It, there's a fine line in that at a church where it's like, are you trying to, yeah. you know, market to people in the church, which sounds terrible to say, but you're also, how do you let people know what's going on? Yep. So. Give me money because this is good for you? Yeah. Is that no, how absolutely. sales works? <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. So, 
But yeah, so if you have questions on this, thoughts on this, um, email us life at forefrontchurch.tv. We'd love to hear your thoughts, what you think of it. Pastor Darren Enns, any parting thoughts? I'll, I'll close with Galatians 3, verses 1 and 2. Uh, so we're just wrapping it up with Galatians. You foolish Galatians, is what the NIV says. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? That is, by being Jewish? Is that what you did to receive the Spirit? Or by believing what you heard? That's the requirement. Believe Mic what drop. you have heard. Mic drop. Although he has two more chapters in Galatians. But yes. <laughs> okay. oh, he, came hey, d- he came back. Drew, before, before your parting thought, I think we got to start an Instagram page where it's Darren's strongly worded letters. So. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yes. Drew, any parting thoughts as we wrap this up? I just think it's a reminder that we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And so what priority do we have when it comes to growing in our faith and seeking out our relationship with God? And are we making sure that it's our relationship with God that comes first based on what he did for us, not trying to earn his love or favor? No, absolutely. So... Thank you for listening. Questions and thoughts again, life at forefrontchurch.tv, or you can drop them in the communications boxes if you're there on Sundays. So once again, thank you guys for listening. Pastor Drew, Pastor Darren, thank you so much. And I'm Rob Lotzi. Thanks, Rob. Go Nuggets. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.